0: This is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 25 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Number one, much exercise of grace. There is a compound of grace in contentment. There is faith, and there is humility, and love, and there is patience, and there is wisdom, and there is hope. Almost all graces are compounded. It is an oil which has the ingredients of every kind of grace, and therefore, though you cannot see the particular grace, yet in this oil you have it all. God sees the graces of His Spirit exercised in a special manner, and this pleases God at the heart, to see the graces of His Spirit exercised. In one action that you do, you may exercise one grace especially, but in contentment you exercise a great many graces at once. Number two. There is a great deal of strength of grace in contentment. It argues a great deal of strength in the body for it to be able to endure hard weather and whatever comes and not not to be much altered by it. So it argues strength of grace to be content. You who complain of weakness of memory, of weakness of gifts, you cannot do what others do in other things you have this gracious heart contentment that has been explained to you. I know that you have attained to strength of grace in this when it is as spiritual as has been shown to you in the explication of this point. If a man is distempered in his body and has many obstructions, has an ill stomach and his spleen and liver obstructed, And yet, for all this, his brain is not disordered. It is an argument of a great strength of brain. Though many evil fumes may arise from his corrupt stomach, yet, still his brain is not disordered, but he continues in the free exercise of his reason and understanding. Everyone may understand that this man has a very strong brain when such things do not upset him. If other people who have a weak brain do not digest but one meal's meat, the fumes that arise from their stomach disorder, their brain, and make them unfit for everything, whereas these have strong heads and strong brains, and though their stomachs are ill and they cannot digest meat, yet they still have the free use of their brain this, I say, argues great strength. So it is in a man's spirit. You find many who have weak spirits, and if they have any ill fumes, if accidents befall them, you will soon find them out of temper. But there are other men, who, though things fume up, still keep in a steady way and have the use of reason and of their graces and possess their souls in patience. I remember it is reported of the eagle that it is not like other fowls. When other fowls are hungry, they make a noise. But the eagle is never heard to make a noise, though it lacks food. Now it is from the magnitude of its spirit that it will not make such complaints as other fowls do when they lack food because it is above hunger and above thirst. Similarly, it is an argument of a gracious magnitude of spirit that whatsoever befalls it, yet it is not always whining and complaining as others do, but it goes on in its way and course and blesses God and keeps in a constant tenor whatever befalls it. Such things as cause others to be dejected and fretted and vexed and take away all the comfort of their lives make no alternation at all in the spirits of these men and women. This, I say, is a sign of a great deal of strength, of grace. Number three, it is also an argument of a great deal of beauty, of grace. There is a saying of Seneca, a heathen when you go out into groves and woods and see the tallness of the trees and their shadows it strikes a kind of awful fear of a deity in you and when you see the vast rivers and fountains and deep waters that strikes a kind of fear of a god in you but he said do you see a man who is quiet in tempests and who lives happily in the midst of adversities Why do you not worship that man? He thinks him a man worthy of such honor, who will be quiet and live a happy life, though in the midst of adversities. The glory of God appears here more than in any of his works. There is no work which God has made the sun, moon, stars, and all the world in which so much of the glory of God appears as in a man who lives quietly in the midst of adversity. That was what convinced the king when he saw that the three children could walk in the midst of the fiery furnace and not be touched. The king was mightily convinced by this, that surely their God was the great God indeed, and that they were highly beloved of their God who could walk in the midst of the furnace and not be touched, whereas the others who came only to the mouth of the furnace were devoured. So, when a Christian can walk in the midst of fiery trials without his garments being singed and has comfort and joy in the midst of everything, when, like Paul in the stocks, he can sing which wrought upon the jailer, it will convince men when they see the power of grace in the midst of afflictions, when they can behave themselves in a gracious and holy manner in such afflictions as would make others roar. Oh, this is the glory of a Christian. It is what is said to be the glory of Christ, for it is thought by interpreters to be meant of Christ in Micah 5.5. 5. And this man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces. This man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land. For one to be in peace when there are no enemies is no great thing. But the text says, When the Assyrian shall come into our land, then this man shall be the peace. That is, When all shall be in a hubbub and uproar, yet then this man shall be peace. That is the trial of grace when you find Jesus Christ to be peace in your hearts, when the Assyrian shall come into the land. You may think you find peace in Christ when you have no outward troubles, but is Christ your peace when the Assyrian comes into the land? When the enemy comes, suppose you should hear the enemy come marching to the city and they had taken the works and were plundering. What would be your peace? Jesus Christ would be peace to the soul when the enemy comes into the city and into your houses. If any of you have been where the enemy has come, what has been the peace of your souls? What is said of Christ may be applied to this grace of contentment. When the Assyrian, the plunderers, the enemies, when any affliction, trouble, distress befalls such a heart, then this grace of contentment brings peace to the soul. It brings peace to the soul at the time when the Assyrian comes into the land. The grace of contentment is an excellent grace. There is much beauty, much strength in it. There is a great deal of worth in this grace, and therefore, be in love with it. Roman numeral three. By contentment, the soul is fitted to receive mercy and to do service. I will put these two together, contentment makes the soul fit to receive mercy and to do service. No man or woman in the world is as fit to receive the grace of God and to do the work of God as those who have contented spirits. Those who are contented are fitted to receive mercy from the Lord. If you want a vessel to take in any liquor, You must hold it still, for if the vessel stirs and shakes up and down, you cannot pour in anything, but you will say, Hold still, that you may pour it in, not lose any. So if we would be vessels to receive God's mercy and would have the Lord pour his mercy into us, we must have quiet, still hearts. We must not have hearts hurrying up and down in trouble, discontent and vexing but still and quiet hearts if we receive mercy from the lord if a child throws and kicks up and down for a thing you do not give it to him when he cries so but first you will have the child quiet even though perhaps you intend him to have what he cries for you will not give it him till he is quiet and comes and stands still before you and is contented without it, and then you will give it to him. And truly, so does the Lord deal with us, for our dealings with him are just as your froward childrens are with you. As soon as you want a thing from God, if you cannot have it, you are disquieted at once, and all in an uproar, as it were, in your spirits. God intends mercy to you, but he says, You shall not have it yet. I will see you quiet first, and then in the quietness of your hearts come to me and see what I will do with you. I appeal to you who are in any way acquainted with the ways of God. Have you not found this to be the way of God towards you? When you were troubled for want, perhaps, of some spiritual comfort, and your hearts were vexed at it, you got nothing from God all that while. But if you have got your heart into a quiet frame and can say, Well, it is right that the Lord should do with his poor creature what he will. I am under his feet and am resolved to do what I can to honor him. And whatever he does with me, I will seek him as long as I live. I will be content with what God gives. And whether he gives or not, I will be content. Are you in this frame, says God? Now you shall have comfort. Now I will give you the mercy. A prisoner must not think he will get rid of his chains by pulling and tearing. He may gall his flesh and rend it to the very bone, but certainly he will not be unfettered sooner. If he wants his fetters taken off, he must quietly give up himself to some man to take them off. If a beggar knocks once or twice at the door and you do not come and thereupon he is vexed and troubled and thinks it much that you let him stand a little while without anything, you think that this beggar is not fit to receive an alms. But if you hear two or three beggars at your door and out of your window you hear them say, let us be content to stay, perhaps they are busy. It is right that we should stay. It is well. If we get anything in the end, we deserve nothing at all. And therefore, we may well wait a while. You would then quickly send them an alms. So God deals with the heart. When it is in a disquiet mood, then God does not give. But when the heart lies down quietly under God's hand, then is it in a fit frame to receive mercy. Your strength shall be to sit still, says God. You shall not be delivered from Babylon, but by your sitting still. This concludes episode 25 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.